Welcome to the 405th episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney, and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. I'm also a survivor of Hurricane Ian. So the podcast is about three days late, maybe four, depending on when this actually goes up and when I can get enough internet service to upload. But we are alive and well here in Port Charlotte, Florida. We were in the eye wall of the storm for about eight or nine hours. Um, I've been through a couple other other hurricanes, nothing of this magnitude. We are currently without power. Uh, We're running on generators. Um, One hospital was severely damaged. Power was down for 100% of the county for a while. Uh, It's gradually coming back up. Again, I'm probably going to be without power for about a week. So as far as marathon updates, um, it's not going to happen. Not leaving Florida to go to Texas to see uh, Addie and Caleb and and run the um, Tejas uh, marathon next weekend. Addie Delaney Minerch will be running it, so you can track her. So she's going to be running for Team Florida, uh, Florida Strong, uh, and make us all proud. As far as damage from the hurricane, um, we had some roof damage, some water damage. We lost a lot of our fruit trees that I talk about over the, over the weeks and the other podcasts. We straightened some of them up. We lost a beloved big producer of mangoes uh, for us. Um, that uh, big tree was probably 30 years old that came, that came down. So that was all sad. Lost some papaya trees, lost tomato plants. Uh, yard was kind of a mess, shingles everywhere. Um, but we, you know, we're alive and we live in a great little street and the neighbors have come together and we helped each other pick up and stack and clear the road and, you know, we're making a comeback. But, you know, there's a lot of lessons for a plant strong and a plant strong wellness uh, to go through a hurricane. A lot of my friends and, you know, dear friends that I am so thankful for to call to check on me before the hurricane, my medical school buddies, uh, some dear friends that live out of state and, you know, are you evacuating? Um, And we decided not to evacuate here because uh, I felt that the house was in a place that the storm surge would, we would probably be pretty safe and that the house was structurally intact, that we could ride out a storm. Obviously, the storm turned out to be, you know, much more of a direct hit and a lot longer. It was very slow moving at eight, nine miles an hour for, you know, eight, nine hours, unrelentless, unrelentless wind. But, you know, nevertheless, um, we we made it and it was a good call uh, because we were here to assess the damage and, and start, you know, start cleanup you know, immediately when the sun came out shining the next day. But, you know, I think, again, um, plant-based wellness, endurance athlete, survival, uh, you know, I, I think athletic, athletic uh, endeavors really help prepare you for um, things like hurricanes. Maybe that's a little fright. But I, you know, looking around at people after the, the hurricanes, the first day out, um, we went to get gas for the generators. We actually sat in line for six hours the first day to get gas, uh, an hour and a half the third day. Um, and you get to watch a lot of people in that environment. And a lot of people can't take care of themselves when bad things. You know, it's important to be able to walk if you need to, lift if you need to, survive different temperatures if you need to 
uh, you know, and be resilient. And also eating plant-based, you know, I, I said it a few years ago on a podcast, but eating plant-based is a much better way to survive with limited food access. Um, it has been, uh, I'm, I'm doing this, recording this podcast on Monday and the hurricane hit um, Wednesday. I went to the store on Tuesday. We are still eating things that, you know, I purchased I'm going to go to the store later to get some fresh produce, but for the most part, we're just running out of fresh produce. I still have frozen food because we're running on generators. I still have plenty of canned food, pasta, um, things that I made. You know, I made a big pot of bean soup in my Instant Pot. And, you know, just, just you know, and I, I know a lot of people aren't going to need to use a generator, but, you know, a generator has access, you know, you plug your, your extension cords in and from there you can plug a power strip in and from there you can, you can run an instant pot, you can run a microwave, you can run a toaster oven, you can run your coffee pot, you know, so we run lights, we ran fans, uh, we did it intermittently, uh, we cooked by headlamps, you know, so headlamps were a great asset, you know, so being a runner and using headlamps, you, those things turn out to be really good in a hurricane when you're cooking in the dark or when you're trying to get around in your house in the dark. Um, so we were able to do that. So I did a pot of bean soup one night. I did our Irish stew from our cookbook uh, one night, you know, so I had um, four people in the house and we did, we did just fine. We, you know, we keep our dog food in the freezer so we had a, that running to a generator so that was that was fine so we had plenty on hand for for them um we did uh, beans and cauliflower and potato dish i did a thai night you know where we did thai food um cabbage carrots mushrooms rice um a red curry sauce tofu um, you can get tofu in boxes that don't need to be refrigerated, so that makes it easy. Um, so we, you know, we actually survived quite well. We had fresh fruit, um, just again running out of that today. But I also had frozen fruit that I really haven't even touched. So it, it it's very survivable if you you know again are plant based and think ahead and and have a menu planned i think that's the biggest thing that you have an idea of what you're going to cook and and you have go to foods i can't stress enough having things that you know how to cook in a pinch oh i also made rigatoni's with a mushroom marinara sauce you know and a salad one night so you know things that you know that are go to you know being italian pasta uh, with a marinara sauce is kind of comfort food so that was our comfort food. But, you know, again, I made sure I had greens every night. Uh, we had cauliflower. So we, you know, we had our beans. So our, our meals were actually uh, very, very well balanced. I even made sourdough bread. I made two loaves of sourdough bread. I made bread beforehand. So, you know, we had uh, bread to eat. Uh, we made tomato sandwiches during the hurricane, you know, with uh, some avocado. Uh, so, you know, it can work out if you just have your go-to foods and have some planning. Before I go into the some of the hurricane um, cleanup description, I, I want to update you on my pull-up challenge. Um, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I had Jenny McCall, who's a ninja warrior, that uh, decided to learn to do a push-up, or I'm sorry, a pull-up. And so I downloaded a 22 days to a pull-up app or I'm sorry, it was a YouTube video, and I was following it. Um, basically, you would test 
do exercises, uh, you know, um, inverted rows, negative pull-ups, pull-ups from a chair, hollow log, which is a ab exercise and retest and, and, you know, and then you would do percentages of those. And so you did 40, 50, 60% of the inverted rows, the number of, you know, your max. And, um, so you increased every week. So before the hurricane hit, I, I got up to day 20 and when the hurricane hit, uh, we were actually doing a lot of heavy lifting outside that I'll, I'll describe. And so, uh, the pull-up, uh, challenge ceased. But on day 22, I went in and I could not do a pull-up. So, um, partly because I was probably a little sore from doing all my uh, axe work outside, which I'll describe. But but I wasn't ready to do a pull-up uh, unassisted. And I believe the reason why, you know, and the difference, so I'm not going to diss the guy's uh, routine. And I'm actually going to keep doing it um, probably a little bit more staggered until we get a little better cleanup from from this hurricane but I did get stronger every time I tested things got better I plateaued a little bit uh, at the maximum number of things that I could you know the inverted pull-ups I can do but I do believe the reason why I didn't get to a pull-up in 22 days is I just didn't have the muscle to do it um, and it wasn't like I was doing so part of an activity is either having muscle memory. So people that used to run and then they come and they don't run for 20 years and they go out and run, it kind of comes back to them. People that are severely overweight and they start running and as they lose weight, they run faster uh, because the muscles there, if you're overweight, you actually have a lot of muscle because you have to lift that weight around. And so when you take the fat off of that muscle, you move a lot quicker. But I just didn't have the pull-up muscle available. So I, there wasn't like there was muscle there that I was going to wake up and engage so that I could do that particular movement. If you can imagine uh, the muscles that are involved to do a pull-up, grip strength, forearm strength, shoulder strength, back strength, abdominal strength. And so, you know, I, I really could got to the point where I could isolate what I was missing. And a lot of it was around, um, you know, the deltoid area or, or shoulder strength and engaging in those, those muscles together because it's not a movement that I do on a regular basis. But I do believe that if I keep doing it, we'll see if I can. Uh, Jenny took six months at 63. So I guess that'll be my benchmark if I can get to the point where I'm lifting or I can do a pull up and... Um, six months, we'll, we'll see where I am. So I'm going to keep doing it, you know, and I'm going to keep track of the days. Uh, so for all those people out there that, you know, maybe are a little disappointment, I'm, I, we're going to keep the challenge going to see, um, you know, when I can get to it. I think the biggest thing is, again, um, getting things into a routine. I was in such a routine every evening to go up and do my um, inverted rows or my eccentric, you know, what, what, what my scheduled workout. So it was every day. But it didn't take that long, so maybe 20 minutes every day I was going up and do those until the hurricane hit. And I, and I was in a really good routine that regardless of what happened after dinner or after I did yard work, I was going to go up and do, even after my long runs, I went up and did my uh, pull-up routine. The hurricane came and, you know, now it broke my routine and I have to get back on the routine. I think that's the same with anything. I'm was doing Duolingo Spanish lessons and the hurricane hit. I actually did them the day of the hurricane. We were sitting in a closet. I did my Spanish, but 
Um, I haven't done it since. So I'm like three or four days without doing my Spanish lesson. So I have to get in the routine because I did that first thing in the morning when I got up. So I think with anything, you know, it's so, it's so common to, once you get in a routine, it's really easy but when you break the, you can break the routine and you can fall back into the old ways so very easy as well. And I, I think that's a really, you know, good lesson to learn. Um, I ran Tuesday morning. I did not run the day of the hurricane. Uh, so Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I ran today. I ran six miles because I had to get back doing my routine. And part of it was I wanted to get back to the neighborhood. I've been running the same general route in the same neighborhood since 2007. And I wanted to see how my neighbors fared. Um, I wanted to see the area. And it was just a sense of peace. Uh, we've had some nice, pleasant temperatures here in the morning. You know, we've been in the high 70s, 80s until the hurricane. Now we're in the high 60s, which is beautiful. So it was so pleasant without any humidity in the high 60s to go, go for a run and assess my neighborhood. We still have a lot of trees down on power lines. There were about three streets, uh, four streets that I actually had to turn around that were impassable because of the number of trees down. But I did get to see some neighbors, some out sawing trees, some cleaning up their yard. And, you know, it was... Uh, it was a relief to see people, see life, see people trying to get their life back together. And, you know, everybody was just, there's a sense right now of being happy to be alive, even without power. Getting back to the hurricane, you know, when we're sitting in line watching people, a lot of people were just watch, walking to the service station to get food. And I, I've come to the conclusion that a lot of people eat a lot of their meals out of a service station. They certainly eat breakfast, donuts, and whatever, you know, people are carrying, you know, a couple bottles of Gatorade, a couple bottles of water, you know, the monster drinks, um, but chips, you know, junk food. And there was a lot of people, even yesterday when we went to another gas station, there were a gas station across the street that didn't have gas that people were going into to get food. And that's a sad state of affairs because again, if you don't have your health, um, you certainly can't survive well for very long uh, and I think that's when things go out you know awry I mean we have a hospital that's completely down here in town so there's one hospital remaining you know what are you going to do if you go into heart failure what are you going to do if your glucose is 400 what are you going to do if your blood pressure we don't have any pharmacies open you know so if you're on a bunch of medications and you didn't think to get pills beforehand they're in trouble. Now, some surrounding towns are starting to open up, but again, a lot of people um, didn't prepare. You always need to have a full tank of gas when something, you know, when bad weather's coming. So, you know, my dad, I grew up in West Virginia when there was a story, so always have your tank full, you know, so always have a full tank of gas and then you can actually get somewhere to help yourself. The other thing is, you know, again, stocking up on food, canned beans, oats, dried fruit even, frozen fruit, potatoes. We've got actually potatoes coming out our ears. We can make them a million different ways. Pasta. Somebody told me that they had pasta, but they didn't have any jarred sauce on the shelves, so they couldn't make pasta. Well, that's really easy. Tomatoes, pasta. You cook, you know, you can throw tomatoes in a skillet if you have some way to cook. So either a grill. Um, we we're lucky enough to have a gas top on our stove, so I could cook on that. I have a Ninja air fryer toaster oven type of thing. I can hook that up intermittently. I can hook a microwave up intermittently. 
Um, so I could hook my Instant Pot up intermittently. So we made rice, we made bean soup. One of the best things that I have that's come into great use is my water distiller. So I have an Aqua Nui device. It's A-Q-U-I-N-U-I. It's out of Kansas, uh, American-made, five-gallons distiller. So I plug that into the generator, and I have fresh water because we're also under a water boil alert. This boils my water, and I have distilled water continuously. So I don't, you know, we have bottled water just in case for a backup, but, um, you know, that's available to us. The other thing we have is a rain barrel. So obviously the... 50-gallon rain barrel got filled up uh, coming off the downspout in the first five minutes of the hurricane. So there was water if we lost plumbing or needed to have water uh, for, for, you know, to flush toilets or, or what happened. We didn't lose our plumbing, so that was really good. But again, having access to water is, is really important. So during the hurricane, about um, Noonish, we started getting some rain and some wind coming in on Wednesday. By 2 o'clock, we were getting gusty winds, 50, 60, 70 miles an hour. Um, that was somewhat impressive, but it was not nearly as impressive as the 150-mile-an-hour winds that was circling the house uh, 9, 10 o'clock that night. So if you watched the Weather Channel at all, um, there was an eye of the storm that was very well formed and right around and, and the eye of the storm is basically when there's a clearing and in some parts and, and everything wiggled we were looking at the direction of the storm when it would come in and it, it was pretty much you know dead aiming for us most of the uh, most of the day it was a little to the north occasionally it would flow uh, it would um, I'm sorry it was uh, it was towards the west of us and it would joggle a little bit one way or another and in you know in a, in a hurricane of that size you know you only you have a little bit of hope that if it's just a mile one way or another you can avoid a direct hit and maybe it'll be a little bit better but as the hurricane you know inched closer to us very slowly and we kept getting started getting the, the bands of really strong weather we realized that we're pretty much going to be, um, you know, right around the eye of the storm. And it was it spins counterclockwise. And in the eye, there's a calming period. And so the idea and what the some of the forecasters was, if like if you're in the eye of the storm, there's a little bit of a calming period. And you can get a little rest before you have to come out the other end if you're in a direct path of the hurricane. Unfortunately, we were just enough over that we rode the innermost band of red severe weather all the way around as it spun through our area at eight miles an hour. So we, once it started, the wind and the rain, um, it never got better, and it actually got worse. Um, as the hurricane spun around us and then came back the other way, the winds picked up, um, the rain picked up, and, it, and at one point, well, we sheltered in place in a laundry room, and we could look out and see I have big windows uh, around the house. And, you know, we would look out intermittently and, you know, see a whiteout of things just swirling. And you could see palm, you could see trees snapping, palm trees flowing. The first thing to go was our banana trees. Saw those just whip, you know, just bend over like a, a straw, basically. Um, the worst thing that happened early on was... Two of our windows came in, and in in we have a mother-in-law suite, or mother suite, grandparent suite, and the 
windows in that part of the house, there were two that came in. One because of impact, one just the hinge let go. And water started coming in. Well, the worst part about it's worse than water because the wind starts to come in and you start to get lift. And that's when people start to lose the roof. So that was our biggest fear. And the way the wind was coming in, we had just a tremendous shaking of that part of the house in the doors. And it was causing wind shift in our garage. And our garage doors were just shaking violently like trains. It just sounded like if you had a, if you were, had your head on the train track, that was the sound that was coming in relentless. And we were afraid to open the door to, the, to my mom's suite because, again, we were afraid that at letting more air in would cause you know, more of a collapse of, of the roof, perhaps. But finally, we had to, you know, we went in to assess the damage, and there was a door shut to a bedroom that was just shaking. It felt like it was going to come in against the hinges, so not fly off the hinges, but actually come through the door frame the way the wind was coming from outside to inside. And I, that was the scariest part for me because I thought that door was going to come in and just kill us because of the impact of a flying door. And so I grabbed a buffet that was really heavy and, and scooted it in front of the door to try to block that. The upstairs window that was, we had that door shut, and then we were able to put a carpet underneath the door to my parents, the grandparents' suite, to get any air, to maintain the air just in that section of the house, and that settled things out in the garage. But you could just hear for hours this train track, you know, vibration of things rattling. And you could look out one window and see the compromised window, the just water just flowing in there. And we were so afraid of what was happening on that side because we couldn't tell. And it was so noisy with the wind howling and the things shaking that we couldn't, you know, you couldn't assess where the damage was occurring or how much damage was occurring. And we couldn't go do anything about it because we were afraid to, again, have any air go into that section of the house so that the roof would fly off. So it was about 10 o'clock at night before we were able to go over there and assess the situation. And, um, you know, it was scary to open the door and to go in. And and there was water damage and carpet damage, and we were able to secure the windows. Um, And luckily, you know, that was the only thing that happened. The roof stayed intact. We lost a lot of shingles. We'll need a new roof. But we didn't fly. It didn't fly off. So, I mean, I think that was it was lucky on our part, but also good. You know, what we did to secure that area, I think, was good. Um, The water was so violent across the windows that it came in under the seals. And so we had some carpet damage along, you know, along where some of the the biggest force of water came in. Um, But no other windows were damaged. Our neighbor had trees that came down, luckily, you know, within inches of our house that blocked, you know, basically became a forest between the two houses because of the trees down. Oak trees in our front yard snapped. Our mango trees snapped. Um, Again, just the violence of looking around the neighborhood. Giant pine trees snapped. Giant palm trees uprooted by the roots. Oak trees uprooted at the roots. Kind of remind me in West Virginia when I was growing up, we'd have ice storms, and the trees, because of the heaviness of the ice, would topple over, and the roofs would come, and the and the roots balls would come up. That was what we're seeing around here. Obviously, the big trees fall on power lines. 
this storm compared to Hurricane Charlie, the last one in 2004, I believe, that we went through, there was less violent roof and house damage, more vegetation damage. So, you know, any of the big trees that were left was the, the biggest problem. We were so lucky in my area that we got the wind, but we didn't get the storm surge. So I didn't have any significant water accumulation. Um, uh, my heart goes out to the surrounding communities, Arcadia, just north, four or five miles, flooded. Arcadia has water heights of 23 feet. Um, Sanibel Island completely separated from the causeway, people stranded. Pine Island, we have friends out there that have fruit orchards. Uh, my heart goes out to those people, the damage. Again, mango trees just snapped. So there was a tremendous amount of damage to fruit trees um, that will take years to restore. You know, people that have spent years growing their orchards, um, devastating. So, I, you know, my, again, my heart goes out to all of those people that have lost their homes. There's a few mobile home parks that have been trashed and uprooted. Um, you know, it, it's just a, a scary, scary thing. This hurricane affected most of the state of Florida. Uh, There's a few parts that, um, you know, were not affected, but very few. Uh, places flooded that you wouldn't think flooded because of the storm surge that pushed water in from the Gulf up the rivers, and then it had to come back down. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was... Um, it was a huge, a huge storm and a lot of dev devastation. But you know what? We'll rebuild. Um, anybody that has their life can go. You know, material things can be replaced. People get back up on their feet. We regrow. We rebuild. Uh, I wouldn't change a thing as far as where I live. I wouldn't say uh, I'm going to replant my fruit trees. Uh, I, I want to get flowers back in the ground. Uh, you know, I want to get restarted and get things back to normal. Um, my office was damaged. Um, we'll, we'll get it fixed. We'll be back up. Luckily, we do a lot online and Zoom. So I have a lot of members that we do Zoom calls anyway. We'll continue to do those. Um, you know, even if I got to drive a few miles for a while to, to get some internet, we'll, we'll figure that out. So um, next day we woke up and it, uh, we finally went to bed, uh, I don't know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night. It's, it blew all night long. My poor dogs didn't get to go out until about 11 o'clock that night. And I, and I got to tell you, when I went out in the yard, the wind was still blowing. I didn't think I was going to get back up on the porch. If you saw Joe Cantori or Jim Cantori, whatever his name is, you know, I was the same way trying to get back up on the porch with the dogs, but they had to go out for a quick, a quick bit. Um, but the next day we got up and the skies are beautiful. The humidity's down and neighbors started to come out and we started to assess the tree damage. Uh, neighbors got together, neighbor had a truck, pulled the trees off the road. Um, we started, everybody had sawzalls and some people had some chainsaws and we, and we had regular saws. I, um, I got a good shoulder workout using an axe, using a hatchet, and we cleared sawzall. Um, so it was a, a, a great workout bringing, you know, had to take the shingles all over the place, carrying those, stacking, stacking tree limbs, moving limbs. But, you know, we were so happy to be alive that it was, you know, we were just and happy to be outside and free of the laundry room that, it, you know, it was, a, it was a good day and we got a lot accomplished. Um, you know, continued to do some outside work the next day, ripped out some wet carpets. Um, you know, so we continued to repair. The 
again, I'm going to say the best thing is being in shape. So being able to, you know, use an axe, use a hatchet, use a sawzall, carry, pick up, haul, pull, you know, hold doors, pull furniture. It's important. You may never think you'll need to do those things, but, you know, being independent, there's nothing better in the world than to be self-sufficient. You know, what would you do in, you know, an emergency if you couldn't get to a grocery store? I hope that anybody that listens to this podcast does not rely on a service station to get their food. I hope that this is, you know, I mean, it, it goes back to COVID, you know, when people, we knew that people did the worst that were the unhealthiest, the people that were overweight, diabetic, um, those are the people that fared the worst with COVID. Those are the people that fare the worst with hurricanes, you know, being sick, you know, being able to survive, moving around, pulling. Uh, it's so important to maintain your health for whatever comes our way. And, you know, whether you live in Florida or Kansas or Maine, there's weather, you know, people endure storms, people endure viruses, you know, there's things that happen that we can't expect and wait. You know, a couple years ago, there was a snowstorm and people were trapped on the interstate. I think it may have just been last year. And they were trapped on the interstate because they didn't have food or water and they, you know, they couldn't get anywhere. And everybody was angry that emergency services couldn't get to them. But the reality of it is, if we all prepare and have some sense of survival for whatever thing we get into, we're going to do much better. So again, you have to practice it when it's not an emergency. So you have to practice good health when it's not an emergency. You know, get your go-to plant-based meals so that you don't fall apart when, and you don't have to think about it. You know what you're going to eat. You know what you need. You know, you can go and grab. We saw, I saw people at the store the day before the hurricane and people are just wandering around with Coca-Cola and chips and, you know, frozen pizzas and they're, that's not what you need. You know, how can you survive the long term and how can you survive and be healthy? And going back to simplicity is the best thing that you can do. So being resilient, being flexible, being mobile, being strong having a positive attitude, troubleshooting, having go-to meals, being prepared, having a generator, you know, having gasoline, having extension cords, having ways to hook things up. Um, I was very fortunate for friends and family, Addie and a friend, Lee Dahl. Um, they text us during the hurricane and they would kind of let us know where the eye was. And Lee said to me afterwards, she said, I hated to, to be the bearer of bad news. I, 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 I didn't know how to, to give you the, she wanted to send pictures, but I, I couldn't really get the pictures. And so she'd have to just bluntly say, there's four more hours. You're going to have four more hours and the wind's probably going to get worse. She didn't want to have to say it, but she did. But it, it, it helped us because we had, it was our only ties to the outside world were, were Lee and Addie, basically, you know, letting us know that what was happening around us because we, we had very sketchy Service. I had a little bit of weather channel, a little bit of radar, but, you know, we kept hoping that we were behind, that, you know, things were moving faster than they were. And I would tell, I would ask Lee repeatedly, you know, it's like, where is it? Where's that, you know, where is it? Where's the radar showing? Where are we? Hoping that we were moved someplace. And at one point, my nurse Dawn was texting and she said, we're in the eye now. We, we could take our dogs out. It got completely calm when they got in the eye. You should be in the eye soon. 
And we weren't in the eye. We never got in the eye. And it was so frustrating because we'd almost get to the eye and it would just get worse. We'd get back in those red. And, and when you look at the radar, you know, if you've ever looked at the radar for your area and a storm coming through, you see a little yellow and red. We stayed in the red for eight or nine hours. It was red. Uh, just this giant red band over us. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was more the frustration of not being able to get out than anything else. But anyway, we made it. Uh, we're doing good. I thank you all for listening. I hope you continue to listen. Um, our practice goes on. You know, I'm more committed than ever to promoting this message of a need for wellness and fitness as we all get older. There's no time ever to let your guard down. There's no time ever not to eat right or not to strength train, not to be mobile because you just don't know what's going to come your way. And it makes it so much easier, so much more. You're so better able to tolerate things if you're healthy. So that's our mission uh, at Jamie Delaney. MD, you know, plant-based wellness practice. That's our mission is to help people to get healthy and maintain their strength and fitness. So you can email me, jamie at drdelaney.com. I'm going to get emails. You can go online or to our website, drdelaney.com. And in the meantime, you can also email Addie, A-D-D-I-E at drdelaney.com because she's in Houston and she's our registered dietitian. And she is going to be my quick ears uh, for the next couple of weeks, uh, for if you'd like to join our practice, uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us, so uh, like she's a registered dietitian, uh, um, she has exercise phys degree, so we're we're you know we're all about wellness, we're all about plant based nutrition. If you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to help you get ready for whatever might be coming your way, or just to live a healthier, happy you in a sunny day. So thanks for listening. Glad to be alive. I wish everybody else wellness and health. Thank you.